I think that was sort of the, the final nail in the coffin, or at least one of them. It was uh, one of the nails overlapping some of the other nails near the bottom. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the half-awake ape, Peter. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if uh, I'm an ape or I'm awake. Well, that was uh, weirdly deep. <laughs> that was like a haiku, man. <laughs> Cecil's here too, and uh, you know what? I I can't even give him a goofy intro. Just hey, Cecil. Hey, yeah, I got, I got nothing either, so. If you guys have something that you want to do, you go to adamandeve.com. You use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. All for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So last week we talked about when movies get turned into usually bad TV shows. That goes the other way, too. Decent TV shows become really bad movies, for the most part. There's a couple of gems in here, but the list I made, I'm going to quote Cecil from pre-show. There's a lot of shit on this list. (laughs) There certainly is. Okay, before we get into the specific titles, why do you think, just like how difficult it was last week, Cecil, to translate a movie into a TV series, why is it just as difficult to translate a TV series into a movie? Well, when you've got a TV series, it's usually, let's let's go off of the old standard. It's tw- uh, A season was 24 episodes. Now, let's say that show only lasted one season. That's 24 episodes. They'll try to take, like, one thread of that, condense it down to 90 minutes and make that into a movie. And the problem is a lot of times TV shows are TV shows for a reason because they have a t- story that you really can't tell in 90 minutes. So a lot of times they'll take one thread or they'll take one notion or they'll just take one idea and that will be the foundation of the movie and consequently they'll leave a whole lot of other stuff out and it ends up just feeling rushed and bad. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that being a factor. I mean, it, it's the other way around with a movie that ends up becoming a, a TV series. Because it's like, well, how do you stretch something that was an hour and a half to two hours into 24 episodes? And that's the same thing. How do you take something that's several seasons of 24 episodes each and condensing it into one thing? And sometimes it, well, no, most of the time it, it doesn't work. Most of the time you, you get stuff like the Chips movie and the Ooh. Baywatch movie and, and shit like that. But then other times, you know, it can become successful franchises like the like the Star Trek films, I think, are quite good. I've always been a, a Wrath of Khan fan and whatnot. Um, so sometimes it can work, but a lot of other times you get SWAT. But you, you also have this weird thing where a lot of the ones we're going to talk about tonight, movie versions of TV shows long after the TV show is off the air. And I think mm. that, that that's usually the strange thing. When you're taking a TV show and making, or when you're taking a movie and making it into a TV show, it tends to be relatively close to the movie within a year or two. A lot mm. of these things are, let's bring this old TV show back, but now it's a movie. And I and think kind of a means almost like a mean spirited parody of the show. You, you do have those, mm-hmm. like, you know, to me, like Starsky and Hutch, Chips, Baywatch, those, those movies are going out of their way to say, look how stupid the TV show was and how stupid by extension you as the viewer are for liking that TV show. I don't think or that's the right way to, to do it. it uh, or they'll make it too serious or try to make it more edgy and serious than the original was, like what they tried to do with Miami Vice. That's exactly what I was thinking. Miserably. Of. Crapola. What kind of line do you have to walk 
to be in the middle there. Like, I think Dragnet, 1987, walks a good line because it does point out the dumb shit about the Dragnet show and some of the tropes about it. But it also, and you can tell in Dan Aykroyd's portrayal, and since he was one of the co-writers, you can tell how much he is actually loving the original Dragnet and adoring it at the same time. There is stuff to make fun of about it. And I think that's how it should go. Whereas, like, Starsky and Hutch is all, my God, Starsky and Hutch sucked so bad, guys. You're an idiot for liking it. I don't know. I mean, it, you, you, sometimes you can get completely lucky with it and end up making something that's uh, that's pretty entertaining. Uh, for the most part, you will get any mean-spirited parody. Like they, they keep making these. Like there's there's Starsky and Hutch. There's SWAT. There's there's Chips. There was uh, Dukes of Hazard, which was fucking terrible. I will never forgive the Broken Lizard guys for that. Oh God! I, I, mean, I know they, the story they, behind it. Just still, they really just sort of directed it. It wasn't really something that. Um, that you can give them, it's, it's kind of like blaming, uh, Kevin Smith for cop out. It's like he, he didn't write it, he directed it, and he had a, a very hostile cast in the form of Bruce Willis to work with. I think one that I would give a good example to, and this is, um, I'm just going off of, like you said, like years down the line of, of making a good movie out of it. I actually like the Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie, cause that, that came out like the, like years after the show had started, and I believe they did, uh, what was the movie? The Silent Earth. Silence, Silent Earth, yeah. And that was, um, it was really funny, and it still felt true to the series. It almost felt like watching sort of an extended episode of the show, and it ended up actually being really entertaining. I actually really like that one a lot, and I feel like it's a, it's a good example of being able to make uh, a movie version of a TV show sort of years after the, the fact. I really like that one a lot. I, I think the middle ground you need to find is it, it's, it still needs to sort of capture the, the magic that the TV show had while still being able to, to poke fun here and there instead of just outright destroying the show and, and just making it a, a mockery and a parody the way movies like Starsky and Hutch and the way movies like Baywatch did where it's like look how dumb this is it's so stupid it's like why the f*** are you even making it and and the, the show is better than the movie you're making anyway because you're just half-assing it the whole time so I'd, I'd rather they actually put in the effort and try to make something that the fans are, are going to enjoy even like the the SCTV movie came out a fair few years after the after the TV show did, like uh, Strange Brew, and that one's a classic. That's a great movie. Strange I Brew think those is, are, is amazing. Those are, I, I, yeah, that's that's an awesome I, one, and that came out good good several years after the show, and it, they, they it, still I, I actually no the. SCTV was still in new episodes. That came out during oh. the run of SCTV still. Oh, hmm. well, whatever. Maybe that's when you should do it, when the show is still still new. <laughs> and Strange Instead Brew, of, yeah, uh, I agree. It's hilarious. That movie's awesome. Maybe that is the factor, is that you should do it when the show is actually fresh, instead of doing Hawaii Five-0 30 years later, or Miami Vice, like, 20 years later. It's like, what are you trying to accomplish here? I mean, that movie was... Like, Miami Vice, I think, is the one that really pisses me off the most because it tried to be more serious than the show yet the show is so much better than that pile of shit that had lincoln park in it also with the miami vice movie that that's one of the few times where the one of the creators of the actual show is the one bringing the movie back and he seemed to have forgotten yeah. everything because what was one of the tenets of miami vice the gorgeous colors and the, mm -hmm. the artistry of the shots so the miami vice movie things, is got, you see these things in the first episode yeah it, like it's the all very set up. first episode shows gorgeous colors shadow very neo-noir very understated well i don't want to say understated performances but very like introspective kind of performances like there's not a lot of talking in the first like 15 20 minutes it's almost all mood and, and facial expressions yes i've been rewatching it <laughs> yeah I, I i watched the entire series again a couple of years ago and then then the movie is bland it's got no yeah. color in it it's lifeless it's boring it, it's, it's it looks like, like it was just shot on a on a home video camera it almost feels like a shot on shittio movie I, I, what it feels like and yes i know they're called crockett and tubs it feels like a move a script that was written to not be a miami vice movie and they're like ah you can just change it over a weekend now it's a miami vice film oh and i wanted to make one more example of good movies that were made after the fact of a tv show the, the adams family movie was actually 
good. I'm 50-50 on that. I thought they got the aesthetic right. They got the characters yeah. right. I did not like the story. I do think it's a good example, though, because they made it quite a few years after that show was in syndication, and it ended up being pretty solid. Like, I think that would be one of the one of the better examples. Not the sequel, though. <laughs> not quite, no. Police Squad, which became The Naked Gun. You know, they. I mean, there was only a few episodes. There was only six, six of Police Squad. So they really, you know, they had enough to work off of. And really all they did was just make it like a long episode, each yeah. one. And, you know, they worked up the parody. And so they were they were legitimately funny. Like they were really, you know, they, they got decreasingly less good, but all three of them were still very funny. The thing with Police Squad is Joe Dante is very open about this. I can't remember if it was on the commentary tracks on the DVDs or in an interview where he says the show was so low rated. There were so few people that saw it that he thinks more people saw Police Squad when A&E re-ran the episodes in the 90s to go along with the movie than ever saw the original show. Police Squad being made into a movie is kind of a fluke at all. I think that's true because mm-hmm. I didn't really hear about the the TV show until way later on down the line. I had no idea it was a show before it was a movie. And I was really excited about it when I found out about it because I love uh, Naked Gun, so it was like, "Oh, well, I get I get more Frank Drebin. Great." And the show is fucking hilarious, too. Those six episodes, borderline. Let's go brilliant. talk in the Asian garden. And it's just uh, oh, a yeah, Asian guys standing in pots, standing in pot plants. <laughs> Yeah, they, they just had it. It was so funny. And that's, that's the truth though. I mean, that also is a very uh, odd thing when you, when you look at it. Here's a show that by all means was a monumental failure. But then it went on to be one of the most successful films of that year when it came out and then, you know, spawned two sequels. I mean, normally they'll go after, you know, a long running show like Chips or 21 Jump Street or something. But here's something that ultimately was a massive failure, but they believed in it enough to push it and make it into the movie. And then it was like consequently had people going back and watching the old uh, shows and probably sad that there was only six episodes. Yeah, really funny. So Police Squad is one South Park bigger longer and uncut which basically what they did there was they said okay for the movie let's do all the stuff that we can't do on television they caught away with it and that was a smart angle to go because really they they couldn't just do the show they you know they had to kind of ramp it up in that aspect so they did all the stuff that they couldn't do there uh the other one is the brady bunch i think both movies are really funny and this is an instance where they're poking fun at the original but also doing it in a very respectful way it was like it never felt like they were never the they weren't the punchline of the joke. They were the joke, but it like it wasn't just like duh or dumb, you know. It it really worked. <laughs> it wasn't mean. It had a lot of goofs on like the show, you know, over the course of uh, you know, the seasons about how Greg, you know, falling in love with Marsha and like all the stuff that they never really covered in the show. It's legitimately funny. Like they are two hysterical movies. I think they everybody's performance, they just freaking nailed it. So I love mm. that. And then the last one being probably I don't think you guys will disagree with this the most successful tv to movie series mission impossible what is a better way to make a tv series into a movie a continuation even if it's tenuous to the original show or a complete reboot because the first mission impossible movie still is in continuity with both of the old tv shows the 60s show and the 80s show and you know it, it's kind of disingenuous but peter gray remember the remember the mission of the impossible mission force agent that betrays them at the near the beginning of mission impossible that was uh-huh. supposed to be peter graves character from both the other shows and he was supposed to come back for that he was so offended that they made his character a traitor he told them to go and i'm quoting him to go f- themselves <laughs> well you gotta figure though i mean that that does kind of suck i mean because yeah. peter graves i mean that and like a and e's biography are like the two things that he's pretty much known for for them to spin that on him it does kind of suck but, yeah but, but but my point is that still is keeping continuity with the other two or you have something like the mod squad or wild wild west where they're like nope we're starting over let's leave the quality of those movies out for right now no the old tv show didn't happen this this is where we're starting 
starting over. Which is a mm-hmm. better way to handle it? Mission Impossible or Wild Wild West? Again, leaving the quality of the films out for right now. Well, I think you can't really deny the staying power of uh, Mission Impossible. I mean, they're still making those movies, and they, they came out in, like, the mid to late 90s. I remember well, the first one was, like, mid-90s, wasn't it? 96. Yeah, and and they're still they just came out with a, or they're they're just about to come out with a, a sequel pretty soon with uh, mustache Henry Cavill. So there it it shows how well these movies are doing and how popular they've become. And and more people probably know Mission Impossible at this point for the movies and not even the show because new generations of of uh, fans and filmgoers are getting into these films every couple of years because they keep making sequels. So it, it shows that it's it's sort of transcended the TV show as a whole. I don't know. Examples like Wild Wild West. I, I don't think people like I didn't even know that was a, a, t- a TV show when it came out. Um, I just thought it was like a random Will Smith movie where he's being Will Smith. It and there's a, is. a giant robot so, spider. It has so but, little in common with the show. It almost is. Yeah, I, I didn't even know. Whereas Mission Impossible, when that came out, I knew what Mission Impossible was. There were still reruns on TV. I recognized the the theme music. So it immediately clicked together. And I really liked the first uh, Mission Impossible movie. That's one that still kind of sticks with me. And I think the movies as a whole are very entertaining. And they're what a summer blockbuster should be. You know, big stunts, big explosions, very bombastic performances, really larger than life. I think they're they're doing it right. I think if, if you're going to make a good example of a show that uh, existed long before and the movie was made long after the fact, Mission Impossible would be a really good example, at least as far as like staying power goes i think it depends because uh in some cases uh it's better to just wipe the slate clean and start over because you're not really um setting up any expectations and whatnot you're not pissing off anybody by altering their character or having them character played by you know somebody new but on the same token the continuation works because then you're not pissing off the core people you're like okay hey that version still exists and this is just a continuation of it here is Mm -hmm. you know uh mission impossible what's going on now you know all of this happened and everything is leading up to what's going into it so it really depends on who's working on it the talent of the people working on it and how much they want to be faithful to the source material i think a lot of times what happens why so many of these end up as bad is because you get a film studio that's just looking through their back catalog and like, hey, we own the A team. You know, let's make a movie out of it. And you know, and just and you know, and they just kind of will continue that. Or uh, so it really feels as though it's like if you have somebody that goes to the studio with an idea and they want to continue, versus just hey, we own this. Let's try to make some money off of it. And yeah. you know, which which is easier? If we continue the series, we probably have to pay the like rights to people for like the names and whatnot versus if they just reboot it then they can just uh you know make it up and then they don't have to pay royalties to anybody kind of enters a whole other spectrum so i guess it really depends on how much they love the original material I want to go back to what you said about South Park because it might have worked in the case of South Park, but sometimes that let's do all the stuff we couldn't do on TV thing kind of backfires. Dark Shadows was, you know, on ABC. It was a daily soap opera. You know, vampires and werewolves and demons and ghosts and witches. Then after the show ended, they had two theatrical movies, House of Dark Shadows and Night of Dark Shadows, which were R-rated and full of boobs and blood. And man, were Dark Shadows fans pissed off at that. They felt that the movies, being that graphic, demean the TV series. So sometimes, just because we couldn't do it on the show, that's not going to appease the fans, though. Because I remember those two movies are pretty hated for how graphic they are. Well, or you'll yeah. have a movie that was initially R-rated, and they make a very light PG version, like in the case of uh, RoboCop both the Mm. cartoon and the live-action version, because it's like, well, we can't really do what they did in the movies, so we'll have uh, RoboCop throw a ginormous steel beam at someone's head, and they'll be in jail the next scene. Or Revenge of the Nerds. It's like they can't, it's like started off really, really edgy, R-rated, PG-13, PG, 
And then finally made for TV movies. Actually, no, yeah. three was a TV movie too. Three and four were Fox TV movies. Three was a TV three movie? Three was a TV thought, movie, yeah. Wow, I thought three got, uh, was that Nerds in Love or was Nerds in Love Nerds four? Nerds in Love was four. Three is the one where Martin Downey Jr. is the villain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, uh, like how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> yes. it, like, like the second one still was funny. And still edgy. But like you could, it, you, they were, but I mean, you could, you could tell they were they were pushing it like like just a little i mean there was back when pg-13 could still kind of get away with stuff like they did the the hot oral sex <laughs> like that, hotel like that was the hotel coral essex like was funny but you could tell especially if you were to watch one you know the first one and the second one back to back you're like okay yeah they're really holding things back here but um with going into the south park thing though i think the, the major difference between that and something like dark shadows the audience that watches south park is not going to be offended by them putting more language and stuff into the show. Yeah, so, because that's what they want to be doing anyway. They don't want to be censored. It was basically right. like an uncensored version of the show. Yeah, it was a really filthy, long episode. And so, they made uh, it at a perfect time, too, where the show was long-running enough to where it justified a film and still worked, whereas with in the case of something like the Simpsons movie, they made way too long after the fact, and all the good ideas were already used up. That one just felt pointless. It did. Yeah, it it did. Like I didn't hate it. Like I thought it was kind of I, funny. I, it was better but yeah, than it should it have came been. Way too, it came it way too. It was like too an late, average though. episode of the show, like a like a mid season episode that's like forgettable, which you don't want your your movie to be. It still did well though. I mean, I yeah, guess it did. you know, well, of course, there's the a, Simpsons. A big enough audience, but still, it was like, uh, you know, if if it had come out, I'd say. And like 10 years earlier, yeah. it probably, you know, I mean, that would have been perfect. But then what was it about the mid to late 1990s where you had tons of old TV shows being made into movies, usually bad? Like you had The Mod Squad, you had Car 54, Where Are You?, which besides Rosie O'Donnell, I actually remember enjoying that one. And that one also is a sequel, not a reboot. You have, you had the Beverly Hillbillies, McHale's Navy, Sergeant Bilko, The Fugitive, my favorite, Mar- what was it about the late 90s? Was that kind of that cyclical nature of pop culture that, hey, all these 60s and early 70s TV shows are still in reruns and the people who grew up watching them are now the people running the studios? Or was it something much more cynical of, hey, these are na- like like Cecil put out, these are name titles from our back catalog, just do it. I think in the 90s that was the case. It was, uh, we still own the rights to this. We have a back catalog and we're going to make a movie out of it because a lot of them felt pretty empty and a lot of them still feel pretty empty. So I don't know. Maybe nothing's really changed because we're still getting like every couple years a random TV show movie. I and mean, we got two 21 Jump Street movies. We've got Chips. We've got the A Team. We've got all these, all these ones that are coming out. You know, Baywatch. I think it's, it's kind of the same thing every, every generation. You can kind of see which movies are uh, actual passion projects of people who were fans of the TV show, and you can see which movies are just kind of cash-ins on the, not necessarily cash-ins, but sort of using the the property because you own the rights to the name and, and to the characters. I know you guys don't agree with this at all, but I actually didn't mind the 21 Jump Street movies because... I feel like, and it's not so much connecting them with the show, I would rather see Channing Tatum not take himself seriously. He actually works that way. And that's the one example I can give that was good because it gave me a Channing Tatum that I can like. They they still shit on the show completely. Like that seems to be their only reason to do it is to take a big dump on the on the property. Like they even had Johnny Depp's character from the original show show up at some and point Peter and Dullies. get shot and killed. Yeah, they they both the the original characters show up and just get killed. If that movie hadn't have had the weird taboo element of a likable Channing Tatum, I would have hated it like any of the other movies. But overall, that's just another prime example of that type of movie derived from a TV show where you, you kind of take the initial plot, but you make fun of the of the plot of the show all throughout. Like, like oh, you guys look you guys don't even look like teenagers. You guys look really old. And it's like, this is a dumb program of, uh, of uh, cops who look young going into high school. It's like the whole time they're just making the, the joke, the sort of lampooning the uh, idea of the show instead of taking it a little seriously. Yeah, that, that to me shows that they just own the, own the rights and wanted to make like, like a quick, uh, quick buck. And I think they've been doing that in the 
mid to late nineties. And they're, they're still doing it today because a lot of the movies that are coming out are pretty much the same sort of thing, like very empty shells of the show. Like, uh, look, those are definitely the outfits and the motorcycles from, from chips, but this isn't exactly chips. This is like people being really cynical about chips or people being really cynical about, about Baywatch. Like this is a, a dumb, simplified version. Like this is the stupid shit you were watching in the nineties the or the eighties or the sixties, which is, I think a, a lot of what these shows are and it doesn't matter whether it was in the the 90s or the, the mid to late 90s when uh, the shows were still reruns and they did it or or today where they decide to do it 30 years later for some reason they seem to be for the most part the same types of movie what about then when you have well that was a bizarre choice now i don't mean about the movies but why would you reboot that something like swat you brought it up earlier peter it didn't really fit because SWAT was a spinoff of The Rookies. So you're going to reboot the spinoff, but not the base show that the characters originated on? It, it was like, even though this is TV to TV, back in the, what was it, 2007, 2008, when they made the Bionic Woman TV show. And you're like, but the Bionic Woman is a spinoff of the $6 million man, and she's integral, the, you know, $6 million man is integral to her origin story, so you're rebooting the spinoff, but not the original? That's just a bizarre well, choice. It was a there's, bad movie too. There's an easy, there's an easy reason for the, the bionic woman. It was like, it, it's woman, you know, do we need another man centric show? So let's do the, the spinoff, the bionic, you know, that, I mean, that really is what it boiled down to. They were looking yeah. at demographics and they decided that they were going to go girl power with it. And Which I think that's fair. That's fair. I, I don't see like, anything wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually kind of liked uh, the the Bionic Woman show. I thought it was, uh, you know, it was it was a lot different from the uh, the old TV series, but uh, I thought it was kind of neat in its own way. But I think a lot of shows are just it's it is an oddity where they'll they'll decide to take something. And it's like oh. You want to, and they'll, or, or something like Speed Racer, where like they had been trying to make Speed Racer for 10 plus years. They're like, we have to make this movie. And they finally make it. It's this $200 million thing and no one goes to see it because well, no it's, one uh, cared. It's Speed Racer. It's, it's, yeah, it's such exactly. a niche property. It's, it's, but it was so odd. Like they were determined to get this movie made and then they finally made it. And then like just no one cared because it's like, uh. oh, and the, uh, and a humorous little thing about SWAT, uh, the first movie is like okay, but believe it or not, the direct-to-video sequel of SWAT, which had no people from the original, like I think they mentioned them in the uh, in the sequel, but uh, this it's actually pretty good, and I was kind of bummed that they didn't continue that. They should have because, had some uh, of the rookies' character, you know, at least names show up, then at least connect it to the damn source show. They they make a movie of an old TV show in such a what the f- was that? manner that you just have to ask yourself what drugs were you on like the avengers that movie bears so little resemblance to the old to the old british tv show you go what the fuck or or the the uh the hammer doctor who movies doctor who and the daleks and daleks invasion earth 2150 you look at those and you go how is this doctor who at all or i spy <laughs> i love let, let's leave the bill cosby stuff out but i loved i spy and i spy was a groundbreaking show that was the first tv show where a black man was equally credited with a white man and because robert culp is a amazing person he insisted he would not do this show unless bill cosby got the same pay that he did that was the first Mm. time a black star of a tv show got equal pay to a white star in the late 60s i spy was groundbreaking and then you look at that eddie murphy owen wilson movie and you go what the fuck was that that was uh yeah I, i remember that one i didn't even realize that that was meant to be uh a movie version of a TV show to begin with. That was a weird one too, because it was sort of when both Eddie Murphy's and Owen Wilson's careers were kind of dwindling, but they were still sort of in the spotlight. That movie it, didn't it help. It felt like a really no, no, it didn't. I think that was sort of the the final nail in the coffin, or at least one of them. It was a uh, one of the nails overlapping some of the other nails near the bottom. Yeah, that was a weird one. That was just as it's just a strange movie in general. I think I I watched it once on TV when I was sick, doped up on a lot of NyQuil, and that didn't really help. The 
I'll go down the list. The I Spy, uh, it it stupid and it didn't need to happen. The Doctor Who was was baffling. Uh, I think they were trying to just make it more appealing to American audiences, and I think they didn't understand really the fundamentals of the original show. And were those uh, theatrical, the Doctor Who? Oh ones? yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. And uh, Pe- oh, I thought Peter we were Cushing? talking about the. I thought we were talking about the made-for-TV one. No, the Peter Cushing Doctor Who is from the late 60s. Oh, okay. People um, hate the, I mean, Doctor Who fans yeah. hate them so much, they consider them non-continuity. Oh, maybe I'll like them then. Yeah. Maybe that's a Doctor Who version I would like. Yeah, I, I don't remember, uh, I haven't seen them in a very long time, but I remember them being bizarre, but I don't remember them being bad. I just remember them being different. But I mean, the Doctor Who's, it's always, they've always kind of been a little off kilter. And so I kind of just took that as like a different degree of, of this series. I, I think I, the, I, I, the made for TV Fox movie was where it was like, all right, what the hell is all of this? Well, that was a backdoor pilot, but the, the, the Peter Cushing ones, I think what piss people off the most is these were made by people who didn't get Doctor Who. He's actually a doctor in this and his last name is Who and he goes on these adventures with his grandchildren, which implies he also (laughs) has children too. None of that is ever part of the Doctor Who show, so you just kind of go what were you thinking? That's hilarious. It's almost like he's just coincidentally really named Doctor Who. Yeah. It's it's like, it's almost as if it's not even really meant to be that character. It's just an actual doctor named Who. That's... That's kind of uh, weirdly adorable. The Avengers, I like the aesthetic of it. I like how it is so bizarre and colorful and just very quirky. But I think they kind of took it to like the nth degree. It was like they took the the Britishness of the TV series and just decided to go really over the top goofy with it. It is a boardroom meeting where everyone's in bear costumes. Yes, and then they all are chasing each other around in this like industrial complex and they're all being murdered in giant colored bear costumes so yeah but i mean like i said i liked from an artistic standpoint it was colorful it was neat it was different but different doesn't always necessarily mean that it works Mm. that's true i mean if you look at something like have either of you ever seen whoops apocalypse no it was no i always got that confused with uh oops no 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 this actually the fox show is somewhat connected but that's a whole complicated thing why i'm that's why i'm saying whoops apocalypse was a 1982 british tv series about american politics strangely applicable to today where the americans accidentally elect a complete moron to the presidency and he brings about the apocalypse and it was a british sitcom so it's brits using what was going on in the world at the time to make fun of american politics so then in 1986 they made a movie of it which the political scene had changed so much from 1982 to 1986 the movie was about then 1986 politics and it's so bizarre to watch a British, ca- mostly British cast with British writers and British directors try and satirize American politics at the time. They're so weird. I, I, I think people should see Whoops Apocalypse. You're probably not gonna like it. What about like anthologies? Twilight Zone the movie. Now personally, other than kick the can and let's leave the death out of it of Vic Morrow, I think Twilight Zone the movie honestly did capture the feel of the old Twilight Zone while updating it for a 1983 audience. I know a lot of people didn't like the movie. I thought the movie actually felt like the Twilight Zone, but updated. Yeah, I agree. I'm a big fan of the movie and, uh, it just, it felt right. It felt, um, uh, it felt more genuine than some of the, uh, the TV versions that we got, you know, the, the TV continuation series is, it, it's good. Uh, the stories are all good. Um, well, they all is so sappy. You'll, you'll get goddamn diabetes from it. Well, yeah, but I mean, but overall the things there's, it's so the, the ones that are strong are so strong that they compensate for the lesser ones in anthology. That's the, that's the problem with anthologies. A lot of times you'll have like one or two stories that are really good. And then the other ones are kind of good. And this, I felt that the, the, 
good far outweighed the bad. And it wasn't even all that bad. It was just very sappy. Also, but, um, that gremlin. I, whenever it's raining, I still can't look out a window without, oh, without just, man. you know, I mean, that, if, my God, that thing, seriously, when I watched that movie again two years ago, when he opens the window and, and that thing is there, the hairs on my goddamn arms still stand up. That fucking gremlin is so creepy. I don't know, the rabbit coming out of the TV always got me more. For me, it's still the freaking last one with the, the thing on the, the wing of the plane. The, the, the gremlin. Some thing on the, the wing gremlin. of the plane. gremlin. Is that one just called the gremlin? Yeah. So the stories, yeah, I think that's, that's it for me. And then, uh, close second is the one with the, that's the kid that can make like whatever he wants, uh, happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's a big rabbit. He'll wish you into the cornfield. Yeah, but the, the gremlin, the gremlin at the end of that movie, that one, like the whole movie, I was doing pretty well watching that as a kid. But then by the end of it, when that happened, fucking nightmares, nightmares for months. The, 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 the gremlin is so weird. I just got to talk about this. That gremlin is so weird because not only its design, but whenever it was on camera, they undercranked the camera. So it moves at a strangely unnatural pace. And mm-hmm. there's just this thing when it leaves when it flies off the wing, it just sort of floats away in such a creepy... I mean, just talking about it right now, I'm thinking about it. The hairs on my goddamn arms are standing up. George Miller killed it with that segment. And it doesn't look in a way where it's like stop motion or like a special effect that really looks like some otherworldly thing, like like something that isn't human would move. I have never had a CG effect that hits me as hard as like a practical. It's just they never they always they always kind of overdo it in one way or another. Like they they do something where it's like all right that's fake. Whereas you're looking at this thing and it's like okay, it's not real, but like it exists. Yeah. You know, they they like made this physical thing and it's there and it's scaring the crap out of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, since we're talking about anthologies from TV shows, uh, are you going to go into uh, Tales from the Dark Side? Tales from the Dark Side the movie which you know we had discussed at length in the Creep Show retrospective episode, which was, which was unfortunately before Peter was on the show. Dark Side the movie is, is generally effective. I, I think for that one, the bulk of the stories work. I don't think that movie gets enough credit. Okay. I think The Vow is probably the weakest one. It has the, it has a great ending, but it's got a bad buildup. But where else are you going to see a mummy pulling Christian Slater's brain out of his nose? <laughs> not in a lot of places. No, not really. It was not as well received as Twilight Zone, and it's kind of forgotten almost at this point. But uh, I still think it's terrific. I mean, you've got the whole story going along with Debbie Harry. Dark you've story. Got... She's trying to cook one of the one of the Lawrence brothers. Yeah, she's trying to cook. Uh, yeah, one of the Lawrence brothers, and the whole the whole thing is delay tactics with him in the oven. I mean, yeah, that's that's really dark. Uh, you had the uh, the succubus one with um, Radon Chong, like really cool, like. Like, I think that one, I think, I know we talked about it, but I mean, I think that all the episodes in that were, were very strong. And, uh, it's a shame that it's, it's so forgotten. It's also kind of a weird thing that it's not a, and we went into this in the retrospective, that it's not really a Tales from the Dark Side movie. It's, all of them are rejected Creepshow 3 concepts. So, in a way, it's not even a Dark Side movie, if you think about it. Yeah, but I mean, it, it is, but it isn't, you know? I mean, because, I mean, you got, when you're thinking of TV shows, there have been a lot of episodes where they're just retrofitted from a script that they had. So, I mean, it's, if anything, it's, it's just, it's more of that. I still haven't seen that movie. You have not seen that movie? I have not seen it, no. Well, Steve Buscemi and Christian Slater duel over a mummy. Uh, <laughs> really? Okay. And, that sounds and, interesting. And Julianne, and, uh, and Julianne Moore is Christian Slater's sister. Huh. And Christian Slater gets his uh, brain pulled out of his nose or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's Debbie Harry trying to cook someone, so that sounds interesting. Yeah, it, it, it it's worth it. You also have Buster Poindexter trying to murder a cat who gets the best of him. <laughs> Yeah, that happened. I will have to check this out. What about when a, a sketch comedy show, like, uh, you know, Pete, earlier Peter brought up SCTV and Strange Brew. What about the giant steaming sh- pile that are the Saturday Night Live movies? Okay, I like some of those. Well, you got Blues Brothers, which 
I used to love. I watched it again a year ago and went, wow, this does not hold up. There's almost no story. The Blues Brothers are the villains of this piece and that I'm, and, and I'm told I'm supposed to side with them. They're all, every character in this movie is an asshole. I didn't like it as much as I used to, but. That's fun. It's a fun oh, movie. Yeah, dude, like, come on, man. The soundtrack alone is, was worth it. It's still, it's, it's a good movie. Like, I mean, I mean, now Blues Brothers 2000. Yeah, that, is that's a, not a real is film. A, well, yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't exist. That's what I'm saying. It's a major turd. Dude, I mean, like, I, I think that they have way more misses than hits, but Blues Brothers love Wayne's World. I watched Wayne's World not too recently. W- Wayne's uh, World is you probably know, the best It's still very funny. I still think that Coneheads is funny. Coneheads is weird in the fact that I think parts of it really do work, but Dan Aykroyd went too far. All of the stuff at the end on Remulac, he, he was way too much into John Carter mode before John Carter. I, I thought if it stayed on Earth, some of that stuff was funny. Actually going to Remulac was a step too far. It did, like, I think it did get nuts. and It maybe would have worked better if they didn't spend as much time there. Yeah, a lot of them, God, the Superstar, It's Pat, uh, Night at like, the Roxbury, Ladies Man, MacGruber. Lady, I, I Night, love Night at the Roxbury. Man. Ladies Night at the Roxbury funny. is very hilarious. And uh, Night at the Roxbury is funny. I need to see it again, but, uh, I haven't seen it in a while, and I remember thinking it was funny. Okay, speaking of something like that, what about when you get one of these TV to movie adaptations that's not really funny but has a a part or a character you love like i was never a big fan of reno 911 and i thought reno 911 miami was brutally unfunny except for the rock the rock's one scene is so hilarious i recommend the movie for that one scene alone it's also he blows super himself dark. up yes <laughs> the rock <laughs> stole that movie in three minutes I've never, I've seen the show, but I never watched the movie because the show I'd watch like a little, like it was always on Comedy Central mm-hmm. and I would just kind of catch bits and pieces of it here and there. And cause I liked the state. So I was like, Oh, you know what? I'll give this a shot. And it just, it didn't, I know it's got a big audience out there. And I think it like it, sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. I thought it was a better idea. It would have been better as like eight an eight minute episode, most of them, but to drag them out to a half hour. Hey, look, what if cops was stupid. I don't know how you got so many seasons out of this concept because it I thought wasn't the show, funny. The show was funny. It almost felt like a Super Troopers show. That's sort of the way I saw it. It was a similar, like, Broken Lizard kind of quality, and I feel like it didn't translate as well into the movie, other than that, the, the scene with The Rock. That was actually genuinely hilarious. Well, what about when a, a movie comes out at the height of a show's popularity while it's still on the air and the movie is required viewing? The X-Files would be an example where mm. if you were watching the show and you did not go see Fight the Future, all of a sudden you come back. And I, I think that was between seasons four and five, or maybe it was five and six, yeah. where all of a sudden you come back to the next season and you're like, what the hell is going on? What are they talking? You mean I have to go to the theater to pay to see a movie to keep up on the TV show? Well, that's mm. ass. Well, the no. X-Files movies were ass to begin with. Well, yeah, that, that, they were terrible. one they did. Now, the fir- now, here's the thing. The first one, I really liked the first one. Well, it but still felt like is, X-Files. Right. It felt like an average episode of the X-Files, albeit, but it still, it, you still felt like you were along with Mulder and Scully, and it, it felt like the show, but sort of in more of a movie scale. I'll give it that. Now, but here's the thing. You didn't have to pay it. Like, if you didn't want to go see it in a theater, it was on video before the new season started. Right, but, so, but the point is, you shouldn't have had to go see a movie to follow the story of the TV show. It, you know, like if like now, if you go and watch all, what is it, ten seasons now? If, and, and you don't go and watch the, okay, the second movie doesn't really matter. If you don't go and watch Fight the Future, you're missing a key episode, for lack of a better term. But it's like, but now there's no excuse because now it's like, all right, I can, I can rent it or whatever. It's not a huge deal. Like I got the, the DVD isn't even that expensive. So I mean, it's really a non-issue. Um, I have a bigger problem with the Marvel movies with, cause that like, okay, so you have to, you have to watch, okay, if you're watching the X-Files, you have to watch one movie in order yeah. to stay in the continuity. If you want to stay in continuity with the movies, you have to watch she- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D and get all like the the whole seasons of agent of shield was leading up to um winter soldier that i think is a bigger issue where 
it's like, all right, who's that guy? All right, what's going on here? Wait, what? Also, it's even worse with S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, remember at the end of Thor Dark World, the, the like, monster from the egg or whatever? It's been a long time. That, you know, in the post-credits scene? That mm-hmm. storyline was finished on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if you're just watching it, like you brought up Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier happens in the middle of the season. So if you're just watching the show, all of a sudden, wait a minute, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s disbanded. What just happened? Did I miss an episode? Yeah, you need to go see the movie that's in the theater right now. Now, see, that's the bigger problem. Yeah, that I is don't a think... huge problem because it's a it's a massive franchise of movies where you have to see one after the other to actually understand what's going on and also watch the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I th- I think that's not the way to do it. Or no. what about, no, this is after the fact. Let's leave the new season of Twin Peaks out of it right now. But like when Fire Walk With Me came out. The series ended on a cliffhanger. Oh my god, what's gonna happen? It's Bob versus Cooper for his soul. So we got this movie coming out a year later, and it's a prequel showing us events that had already been covered in the show. Why? Well, because people like closure. It's, that's basically what it is. It, I mean, there were a lot of people that they, they wanted that. Uh, I, it's kind of like why now we're getting all of these prequels of like, you know, hey, let's, let's watch Batman before he becomes Batman. Let's Ugh. see Superman before he becomes Superman. Let's see, like, it's like, how about you show them when they're interesting? Yeah. Instead of like before yeah. they're interesting. <laughs> Who the I'm sorry, hell? Smallville I don't wasn't know interesting. why people no, watch Smallville was, Gotham. was, I thought Smallville was good. Gotham, I don't get. But I, I don't Smallville, get I, he was still he was Superboy. Like that is different. I'm talking like I I don't I don't know how Krypton is going to turn out, but it essentially looks like it's all of this stuff that's happening on Krypton without you know. I mean, Superman, as far as I know, isn't even born yet. I'm just going off the trailers for Krypton because at the time we're recording this, that's all that's out. It literally looks like Battlestar Galactica with Superman in it, or the Superman ethos into it. Am I the only one that got a Battlestar Galactica Caprica vibe from those trailers that just has the S symbol all over it? Uh, I just got a shit vibe from it, which I guess is what the S stands for. (laughs) What about something like a failed TV show turning into a failed movie? Like, okay, Firefly, incredibly popular, but by all accounts, it failed. And then Serenity came out. This was Joss Whedon's, I'm going to give the fans closure and the movies inclusive enough that you don't have to have seen the show. Oh, that failed too. Well, maybe there's just not an audience for this. Now, personally, as much as I hate Joss Whedon, I thought Serenity was pretty goddamn good. Yeah, it still the, failed, the show though. and the movie were both solid. Yeah, but it gave everybody closure. Failed. The the show failed because Fox, using their usual uh, tactics, they couldn't give it a solid run. They moved it all over the place. They showed it out of order, and they they just they flop sweated all over it. So the show failing was really not the fault of the show. The movie, on the other hand, I don't know. I mean, it was a movie that everybody was very excited to go see. Oh my God, we have oh great, we're gonna get closure, and, and then, then no nobody went, to, went to go see it. I mean, I went to go see it. I, I but, saw it um, in the theater too. I thought it was very good, but there was like me and like two other people in the theater. So uh, it was like, well, I guess you know, they wasn't nearly as popular as they thought. You know, it didn't have yeah. that as big of an, I mean, cause you know, I mean, I would say now it's probably more popular than it was. Well, it um, certainly achieved a uh, cult status for sure. Big time. And at least we did get closure. I mean, how many shows end on a cliffhanger that we never get any sort of closure? We still never did, though, because remember the series ended with the whole Men of Hands of Blue conspiracy starting? And Whedon was like, yeah, that's too complicated for the movie. So there is still tons of no closure from the show, though. Yeah. Well, there, But there is still like, OK, we have something, you know, of, of an ending and not just, hey, all this is going to happen. No, it never will. What about some of the more bizarre TV shows turned into movies, like The Crocodile Hunter, Collision Course? Who was really asking for this? A lot of Crocodile Hunter fans. How long did the Crocodile Hunter show last for? Long time, maybe. Dude, I know. I was. I knew people at the time. Talking about TV shows that turned into movies. Yeah. Or was was there a Crocodile Hunter show first? See, I didn't even know. Crocodile Hunter show first, and then it became the movie Collision. The Paul Hogan movie? No, no, no. You're thinking Crocodile Crocodile Dundee. No, the Crocodile Hunter. (laughs) The I'm gonna stick my finger up his butt. Oh, that one guy. No, no, no. Cecil, Cecil, you were being disingenuous. 
Cecil, you are being so disingenuous. He always made his wife stick her finger up the alligator's oh, butt. Oh, yeah, you're right. And then, and then held her child like a, like a roast chicken in front of a crocodile. Yes. Yeah, Steve, Steve Irwin was awesome. He certainly was. I, I actually, like, at first I was like, what the, and then I started, like, watching some of the stuff and I'm like, you know what? I kind of love this guy. He's, he's a, he was a lunatic, but a weirdly likable one. Yeah, I didn't realize there was a, a crocodile hunter movie. Yeah, it's very there was. slapsticky, weird. Uh, it's it's something it, I don't know. It's it it is what it is. For some reason, I always confused that and Kangaroo Jack. Maybe maybe you know I'm an Australian racist. I don't know. Oh, maybe you are. That was like nothing like the trailers. What about something then like Aeon Flux? I remember watching the cartoon even before it was a full cartoon when it was the shorts on Liquid Television. Oh, the cartoon was awesome. And but yeah. then there was the Charlene Thera's mo- Charlene Thera's movie. Charlie's Theron. Charlie, yes, shut up. <laughs> I'm I'm and helping. I, I know. I, I'm like just don't point it out. But you know, you're she like was, Charlene, I feel like she was right for the role. The movie just yeah. kind of sucked. Right, but from what I remember of the movie versus the TV show. They only had the aesthetics in common. And that yeah. was another one where you kind of, what were you thinking was going to happen? Here's the thing with the, with the movie. I will give credit where credit is due. Production design and the aesthetics and the look, fantastic. It looked like but the show. It looked like the show. Especially Charlie Theron as the character really looked like the character. But they put about a dollar fifty into the script. <laughs> and it made, I mean, I realized the show didn't make a whole lot of sense, but the movie made even less sense. It just yeah. felt, it felt like they took a bunch of stuff and slapped it together. And mm. it, it's not, it's, it's like, it's worth watching for the production design. The production design is stellar, but everything else is just like, all right, this, this stinks. <laughs> yeah, maybe if, if that movie maybe did well, we might have gotten a, a Max movie, possibly even a head movie. Oh, I would love those so much. <laughs> the Max was such an underrated show. That was oh, a great Max. show. Incredible. I remember it kind of pooped out at the end. I watched it about a year ago, and I'm like, okay, the last two episodes are kind of poopy, but it's a great buildup. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about the, the, the big He-Man in the room. What about Mas- He-Man to Masters of the Universe, the canon movie? Let's leave out the fact that canon went broke during it and that's caused some of the production problems. That was a really, really bad movie. Love the design. I loved the character redesigns. I loved the look. I loved the cinematography. Lundgren was perfect. Lundgren was, was a good yeah. choice. Yeah. And, and, and in Chelsea Field, even though they changed the physical look of the character completely, not a bad Tila. No, every, everybody kind of fit. Frank Langella, though a very different Skeletor from the cartoon, looked and sounded really cool. Mm-hmm. But the movie was shit. Oh, was you. Shit. No, it wasn't. Well, it my wasn't only shit. I wouldn't my... call Masters of the Universe shit. I think it had budgetary uh, restraints, which is why I think it was a fish out of water movie, which I tend to not like, but I understood why they did it. I liked the, the pacing was fine. I feel like if the whole thing took place in Eternia, it would have been way better because all the, all the scenes that take place in, in He-Man and Skeletor's actual home world, especially the, you know, their, their sword fight at the end are freaking awesome. Like I actually, and I love the, the score from Bill Conti, which is albeit a complete ripoff of Star Wars and Superman, but it worked really well. It worked for the film's aesthetic. And, and again, Dolph Lundgren, awesome. He, he, he apparently said, Lynn, he, he, he said that he didn't even Meg work Foster. out very much for that role, which shows you the fucking genetics of Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Holy like, crap. Oh, I just rolled out of bed and I put on the He-Man costume and it's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Dude, dude's like a brick wall. He's like, uh, you know, I did three push-ups this morning, you know, <laughs> you son of a bitch. Transformers and G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra. Which were, uh, the entire Transformers franchise to me is worthless. They are a worthless franchise. Kind of like Starsky and Hutch. Shits all over the source material. Yeah, they do. They do. And it's so unfortunate because we actually have good Transformers and G.I. Joe movies. They were cartoon films in the 80s. Those were actually awesome. They were really good. Burgess Meredith is a giant snake demon trying to turn everyone into mutants. Yeah. (laughs) But then G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra was another one of those. What? I mean, Charlie's Angels had more thought put into it than Rise of the Cobra did. At least Charlie's Angels had uh, Crispin Glover as a really creepy villain. Oh, yeah. And Bill Murray. 
Yeah. Aside from the power suits, which they had for some unbegodsnown reason, I thought that Rise of the Cobra was like fun, but I really loved the second one. I thought the, the second one was they, good. The sequel, I thought they nailed it with the rock and with the, the whole feel of it. They scaled it down Ray to just Stevenson, a couple of I Joes. Like stole that movie. Oh yeah. Has, uh, Ray Pyro Stevenson. or whatever it was. He was awesome. He was, he was really, really good. And yeah, rock was, no, um, was it or was no fire? Was well. he Firefly? Yeah, I, think they, I thought they nailed it. I thought they really did a good job with the second one. The fight choreography was really good, and they but they shot themselves in the foot because delayed the film what eight months? Yeah, so Stupid. that they could we need more Channing Tatum, so crap. we could put in more Channing Tatum. You dumbasses! There were Wasn't toys it on the shelf. Channing Tatum, they were like killing him off. I think. Well, no, they had already killed him off, so they couldn't incorporate him back in. But they went back and shot some more scenes with him because Magic uh, Mike came out. he died. Yeah, Matt. No, it was Magic Mike. It was three movies: Magic Mike, Twenty One Jump Street, and something else. So he had three hits in a row, and they were like, "Oh my God, we need to put more Channing Tatum in this." Movie. No, you so don't. Plaster him all over, and then yeah, but then he was still gonna die. But it ended up the delaying the, the film. The first one sucked as much as it did. Yeah, because he. Uh, was, no, 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 no. Marlon Wayans was worse. No, I think. he was worse because he had one of the worst deliveries in the history of ever. Where they did like you know, oh yeah, who in what army? And he's like, my army. <laughs> Oh God! I heard you thought Marlon Wayans was worse when, like, he saw the power suits. Damn! I'm like, you know what? Just fuck you. Shut up and fuck you. So when it comes to the opposite of what we talked about last week, it still doesn't seem to work. Do you think movies and TV just need to remain separate? A TV show should remain a TV show. A movie should remain a movie. Whether doesn't matter which direction you're going. While there are sometimes that it works, fails way more often. Don't the metrics kind of bear out? Just stop. I think yeah, just because it works uh, sometimes, that means that they might as well keep trying, at least if they're going to make a genuine effort. I mean, technically, the 90s Batman cartoon is kind of an adaptation of the Tim Burton Batman movie. I mean, it features the theme song and kind of a, a darker tone and, and such. So I think that show wouldn't have existed without that movie. And that was an amazing show that led to a lot of really great spinoffs. It led to the, to the Justice League cartoon. It led to Batman Beyond. I'm glad for TV shows um, that were once, you know, inspired by movies movies uh, existing because we do have some really really great shows because of that and really great movies because of that in in the in the same same vein so i feel like there it should still be happening and just because there are some failures down the line here or some very soulless cash-ins or, you know, we own the property so we're just going to make the movie because we own the name. Like, sure, those are always going to exist. But we are also going to always get some really good ones down the line, too. You know, like the like the Twilight Zone movies or some of the Star Trek films or, again, the, the Batman animated series. Every now and then, you're, you're going to get something really good. I think it's like uh, everything. You know, we, we get... Right now, we have, uh, you know, remakes and reboots and this, that, and the other thing. So it's just a another thing that they can tap into and adapt. So, of course, you're going to have ones that are made for the wrong reasons, and you're going to have ones that are made for the right reasons. Unfortunately, there's no curation over those. So there's going to be a lot of garbage because they think they can use nostalgia to turn a quick buck as opposed to, hey, I've got a really good idea that we can take this idea and adapt it and do it in a way that will be faithful and make the original fans happy, but bring in new fans. And instead, what we get is Transformers and more Transformers and that. Because that's the thing. As long as shows, you know, as long as you've got something like Transformers that continues to make billions of dollars, they're always going to be looking for, well, what is something else that we can take and adapt? And I honestly, I would be willing to deal with Transformers if we could get a $200 million GoBots movie. But aren't the GoBots the Kmart Transformers? Uh, I would. That's They could throw that in there if they want to throw that joke in there. But I... I want a GoBots movie, goddammit. They could even do, how about a, if they want to do the Kmart Transformers, then make it a hundred million dollars. I think it's about time because they do a lot of the whole, you know, 70s, 80s cop procedural shows or movies like, uh, you know, shows like Chips and Baywatch and, uh, shows like that. I think it's time finally for a, a Bluey movie, which was an Australian TV show about a fat slob cop that was eventually lampooned into bar jars. I do not know. I don't know, Bluey, but I want to. (laughs) 
On that note, where can people find Peter? Watching Bluey episodes, apparently. <laughs> you can find me uh, drunkenly watching uh, episodes of Bluey on Twitter uh, at Cinematica and on Facebook, The Cinemasochist, YouTube, The Cinemasochist, and on 1201beyond.com. I have a new episode out. I had to re-upload it because I found some mistakes. It's at a pathetic 700 views. Go fucking watch it, please. And Cecil, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, ordering the Crocodile Hunter Collision Course uh, over at Good Bad Flicks uh, on uh, GoodBadFlicks.com as well as Good Bad Flicks on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and 1201Beyond.com. And you can find me at 1201Beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201Beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.